Welcome into the Landry Football Podcast Network. And folks, it's official, officially Super Bowl week. And I thought I would get everybody on track before I get into the minutia of the game and the breakdowns for you over at LandryFootball.com. Make sure that you take advantage of that. The 50% discount discount that we've got going for our scouting season. Uh, but before we get into the minutia of the game, thought it would be good to spend a little time helping you if you are the type of person that want to learn what more about the game of football and you want to learn a little bit more about how to watch the game uh, so that you can learn things and see things that maybe you can point out to your friends that they're not looking at. So basically how to watch the game. So we wanted to kind of take this approach by giving you what to look for. And it's a great time to learn it with the big game coming up. And uh, we think you will enjoy it. I think it it helps to make you a better fan, a more knowledgeable fan, certainly. And someone that could learn more about your favorite team, program, college, or NFL. Folks, That will that's what we do every day over at LandryFootball.com. We provide you the best information, the best inside information that others don't have, as well as the scouting and coaching viewpoint of the game of football, college and NFL, uh, from a coaching and scouting perspective. If it involves players, teams, coaches, schemes on the college and NFL level, we've got it covered for you. So make sure that you take advantage of the scouting season offer that we have up on LandryFootball.com today, and that'll get you everything, college, NFL, the inside news, uh, the analysis, free agency, the draft, transfer portal, recruiting, evaluating rosters. It's the scouting season. Scouting season's all year long, but it is truly scouting season. <coughs> Pardon me, when you put the season to bed and you and the games are over and you're preparing for the next football season. So let's talk a little bit about focusing on the Super Bowl and, and how you want to best approve the game. Um Look, many of you, and I say this all the time, that if, if you've not had a background in coaching, it's it's very few. And there are a lot of people that are amateur analysts out there that have never coached or scouted. And they do a better, they do a good job of at least educating the fan in a little bit better way than maybe somebody who is not focused on it. They don't have the background of coaching or scouting, so they don't have the complete um, wherewithal and knowledge. But you know, you've got to, I think, have a better understanding. So we want to – there's a number of ways to do it. This is probably a good series to do in the offseason. But I thought I would go over some things that you're going to hear a lot, maybe in the game. You're going to hear some of the announcers say. They may not do a good job of explaining it or may not have enough time to explain it. So we're going to just cover a few things that we think you should know <clears throat> and get you better prepared for it. RPO play action. You're going to hear a lot of that. With the spread game becoming a bigger part of the NFL every year, um, analysts on TV who specialize in the program are still playing catch up with college concepts. Right now, the, the buzzword is RPO, which is, again, stands for run pass option. Okay, what is an RPO? An RPO is a run play that has a pan pass concept built into it. The quarterback makes a pre-snap or post-snap read on a defender that the offense doesn't block. 
the theory behind the RPO is to read the extra defender in the box rather than blocking him. If the offense has five blockers and there's six defenders in the box, the quarterback's going to read the sixth defender. That's an RPO. A play action is a play in which the offense will fake a run to get defenders to step up and then throw a pass. They may look the same. They're often misidentified by the analysts. Uh, what you're hearing now is a lot of every shotgun play with a fake run action on RPO when it could simply be a play action pass. So how can you tell the difference? I'll tell you what they are. What are the things to look for? Watch the offensive line. If the offensive line isn't aggressively getting to the second level, it's play action. The linemen might even initially take a few steps like they are run blocking before stopping at the line of scrimmage. If they get downfield on a pass play, you know it's an RPO. It is illegal for a lineman who is usually an ineligible receiver to be more than one yard down the field in the line of scrimmage without making contact with an opponent. It's a gray area with the referees. You don't make the call very often. Offensive coaches don't mind, and it's a defensive coach you sure in the hell do. So, again, you want to know uh, if the offensive line is aggressively getting to the second level, to the linebacker level, it's play action. If they get downfield um, on a pass play, you know it's an RPL. If you're not getting aggressively getting to the second level, if you're not, if you're just kind of getting out there but not aggressively getting out there, you know it's play action because there's no intent to run it. It's trying to get the defense to think run. But if you're getting downfield, it's an RPO because you don't know if it's going to – the linemen don't know if it's going to be a run or a pass. Um, because that's going to be determined by the quarterback reading it. Um, so, you know, that's that's uh, how we have to first look at that. That's going to be big because you're going to see both of these teams running some play action and RPOs. Now, if you watch the offensive lineman and use the key that I give you, you're going to know the difference. And you can tell your friends at your Super Bowl party, no, that's not an RPO. That's a play action. No, that's not a play action. That's an RPL. So, and, it, and you can tell them the difference. What's the difference between a bubble screen and a true screen? Both these teams are big screen teams. A true screen is a play in which a quarterback will take a drop back to invite the pass rush to go after him. Offensive linemen would block for a couple of seconds before letting the pass rushers beat them and then release downfield to block. The ideal behind a true screen is to draw rushers in, throw the ball over the head, and get a convoy of offensive linemen ahead of the ball carrier. A bubble screen is one in which the ball is immediately thrown on the perimeter. Only skilled players block on the bubble screen, and the offensive linemen are uninvolved in the actual bubble screen. Bubble screens are often used as a pass option as part of the RPOs. Why? Because the linemen in an RPO are what? What did I just say? They don't know whether it's a run or a pass. They're going downfield. It's the quarterback making the read on the unblocked defender. And he can run, hand it off, or pass. 
and the bubble screen is a big pass option in the RPO system. And the receivers, the skill position guys, the backs and the receivers are the only ones blocking it because the linemen don't know whether to run or pass. So that's the difference between a bubble screen and a regular screen. So don't get mad at the play caller for calling too many bubble screens. Yeah, why they call the not calling the bubble screen. Uh, it's bubble screen is an option. It's being thrown because the offense has numbers advantage. They're not calling that play. That concept is built in to the play. And when you got the numbers advantage, then that's when you take care of it. What's the purpose of motions and shifts? A shift is when multiple players move and set before the ball is snapped. Shifts are usually to quickly change the formation so the defense doesn't have a lot of time to adjust to it. A motion is when a player is still moving before the snap. By rule, only one player is allowed to be in motion before the snap. Why do teams put players in motion? Few, a few reasons. Early in the game, the play callers might use a lot of motion to see how a defense will respond. They might be able to take advantage of the knowledge that they gain later in the game. So by putting players in motion, it helps to identify the defensive coverages. So you run it exploratory. Maybe you can bust a play early, but more important, you're gaining intel for use later in the game. Motion is going to give the quarterback information. That's the number two thing. For example, if a defender follows the motion man across the formation, you know that the defense is likely in man coverage. Not 100%, but more than likely is. Offenses could outflank defenders with fly motions or threaten to outflank them, which forces them to react. So if you get them and run across the formation, then you can hit them with a fly motion or, or sweep. Because motion happens right before the snap, defenders have to quickly communicate in a small time window. That can cause collapse. That is just enough, perhaps, to get a step on a defender to scheme a guy open. Motion doesn't allow the defender to stay set and settle in mentally. That is um, something that really helped you. So if you use a motion, say, to set the back in the shotgun late, defenses will typically alert for the RPO on the side that the running back is offset to in the gun. But, you know, if you don't allow them to set up because you're motioning, it's very difficult for them to adjust. What's the difference between zone coverage and pattern match? Okay, classic zone coverage is when defenders are responsible for an area of the field. They'll drop into those areas while keeping their eyes on the quarterback and reacting to the ball. Pattern match is a, an umbrella term that refers to zone match and man match. In zone match coverages, defenders drop into an area but are eyeing, eyeing receivers and reacting accordingly. Their drops and movements change based on route distribution. Okay, so in man, co- in man match coverage, defenders are reading receivers and will eventually lock on man-to-man with receivers according to the reads after the route is distributed. A good example of a man match is a lot of what Mike Zimmer has done in the past. 
a good example of zone matches, what Nick Saban likes to run at Alabama and what Georgia likes to run at uh, <clears throat> under Kirby Smart. What is a true double team? You hear this a lot. Quarterback throwing into double or even triple coverage, and it might look like they're correct because by the time the camera catches up with the throw, there's multiple defenders around the ball. Okay. Buddy, dumb, dumbass threw it into double coverage, triple coverage. If you watch closely, most of the time, it's just that the secondary is converging after the ball is thrown. A true double team is a defensive call. Um, you can often tell a true double team by the alignment of the defensive backs. Okay, and there's an obvious example when two defensive backs are in the grill of a receiver. A more common example is if a safety is heavily tilted towards a receiver before the snap and gets his eyes on the receiver post-snap. So, you know, you have a couple of ways you can identify. But when you see uh, most of the people say threw into double coverage, or certainly when they say they threw into triple coverage, there's no such thing as triple coverage. There's never been in the history of football triple coverage. Okay, it's not even possible. It's not a thing. Double coverage is a thing, but it's often misdiagnosed, and it's something you can point out to people when you're watching the game. Um, quarterbacks aren't always looking off defenders. Quarterbacks, you hear that a lot. He looked them off, and it looks good on TV. It sounds good. and people, Man, they, look at that. He looked them off. Quarterbacks will stare down deep safeties or purposely look in a different direction in order to get them to move because zone defenders will react to the quarterback's eyes. That's known as looking off. But the term is thrown around too loosely. Just because a quarterback looks elsewhere before eventually getting to his target doesn't mean he's looking them off. It could just be going through his progressions. Okay, if it's a well-designed play concept, his progression should have Similar effect of a look-off. So route combinations are designed that if one route is covered, another one's going to open up. So he's not looking off a defender. He's looking through his progressions because if one route's covered, he knows to go to number two, and he knows where that is. So he's not looking them off. He's just going to number two, or in some cases, number three. You want to watch, best way to watch the game, find the grass. Um, how you watch on TV is different than how we evaluate from a coaching and scouting viewpoint. Uh, it's affected by the camera angle. Broadcasts tend to favor tight camera angles that are zoomed in to wherever the ball is going. The problem is that there are 22 players on the field, and oftentimes we can't see the secondary and how the routes are developing downfield, especially – uh, most of the time, you know, I, I would say essentially half of the story of the game has been hidden with the ever-increasing use of the passing game. The coverage of back in the 60s and 70s when it was predominantly a run game, you, you, you knew where the safeties were lined up, and you knew there was one free safety, one strong safety in the box. You had two receivers, and you knew – pretty much where the routes were going to be run and you knew where the corner was lined up off or or uh or uh, press or off and 
you knew there's only one safety there, so you can figure out where the ball and the routes were without actually seeing it. With the passing games as prevalent as they are now, to not have um, access to the all 22 is, I mean, you, you're not, you're missing more than half the game. <clears throat> and so they're starting to experiment with the use of sky cam. But it's different than what the fans are used to. And the, the, there's been a lot of backlash to that. So, again, TV's never going to be, unless they change the way they view it, are going to be a good way for you to see the game because you're missing a lot of what you need to see. I, I would encourage you, if you're an NFL fan, to get the NFL pass and at least have access to all 22 to go back and look at the game. You can You will open your eyes a lot differently. Now, with that said, we're trying to help you understand and enjoy the TV viewing better. You can still watch the game smarter if you know if you would allow the different camera angles, but we can't. So um, before the snap, find the grass. Okay, a lot of people say to understand what's actually going on, watch the defense or watch the linebackers. Um, because that's where you naturally find the ball, which is fine. But the reality is it's kind of an odd way to watch an entire game for more than just a few plays. The easier way for a fan in the media is before the snap, instead of watching the quarterback, look at the sideline or whatever is trying to look at the defense and figure out where the grass is. Are they packed in tight and way off the receivers? Are they spread out with big gaps, what we call bubbles, inside? Is anyone covering the slot receiver? Chances are that whatever you see is the same thing that the quarterback in the offensive quarter sees, and you'll be amazed at how often the ball goes to the grass, meaning the open spots, as well as how often good defenses show open grass and then close it up fast. Then once the ball is snapped, you can watch normal, but you will see a lot more. So watch for the grass, and then after the snap, you can go to the ball. Because it's telling fans to not watch the ball is is just telling people not to look at a train wreck. You can see in certain cases where a defensive back are backed off, and the inside backer and outside backer are lined up tight in the box. There's plenty of grass underneath on the inside say, of the two wide receiver side. Well, you know, you got a slam route right in that void, quick slant right in that void. Again, you can predict where the ball is going to go based upon where the grass is. Um, you know, if you want to look at some things and maybe be a little bit more advanced, here's what you I would suggest that you do. <clears throat> um, Here's what you look for at the line of scrimmage. A, what personnel group is on the field? Pay attention to the offensive personnel that's in the game and how the defense is reacting. If the offense has 11, is it 11 personnel, three receivers, one running back, one tight end in the game? Does the defense have its nickel, five defensive back, or dime, six defensive backs in? This affects the matchups. And notice these things will help you find mismatches. And you look really smart in front of your fence. Look, 
there's a linebacker on Travis Kelsey. You can see that. Boom. Big matchup. You can say for the snap. Linebacker on Travis Kelsey. Boom. All of a sudden, you're going to see a big mismatch and a big play, and you're going to look really smart to your friends. Is it a single high defense with one safety in the middle of the field? Or is the middle of the field open because there are two deep safeties? While most broadcasters, um, you're able to see the safeties before the, the snap. Count how many deep safeties they are. If there's one safety, the coverage is likely going to be cover three or cover one man. So cover three zone or cover one man. If there are two safeties, it's likely cover two, cover four, or two man. So two deep, that's straight two deep zone coverage, or cover four with the safeties off, or two man, which is two deep coverage with the two safeties with man coverage underneath. If it's one, it's going to be cover three or one man, which is man coverage with a free safety on top. Say you can see pre-snap and you can pretty much know it's going to cover three or cover one or cover two, cover two man or cover four. Then you get into your cadence and you try to figure out which of the safeties are rotating and rolling. So quarterbacks are too good for teams to just keep their defense stagnant and make it easier for quarterbacks to read what the coverage is. Safeties will often show one look and then rotate a roll when the quarterback starts his cadence. Where they move or how they move gives the quarterback clues to what the coverage is and where the pressure is coming from. So if they start um, as a middle-of-the-field open defense with two high safeties and the snap count gets underway, do they roll down to a single high safety? And which way are they rolling? Are they rolling towards the tight end or slot receiver? If they're rolling down and rotating one way, are they rotating because they're bringing pressure from that side? So is the safety coming down to the nickel side because the nickel is blitzing? Or is the safety coming down to insert inside the nickel and play run defense in the middle of the formation? So you've got to answer all those things and process all of that in a matter of seconds. So as a viewer, the more you practice looking for keys from the TV, the better you're able to predict what's coming before the snap and maybe even predict what the quarterback should be seeing. But remember, you do have an advantage as a viewer. When you see the screen from a wide view, you don't have pass rushers pinning their ears back. Um, you know, um, I taught my quarterbacks don't really focus so much or too much where the cornerbacks are lined up before the snap. I look at that on the sideline from images and from the sky, and obviously you'd have an idea through film study how they're going to play. I'd glance at it, but I'd be focused more on the safeties than the corners, and I would advise that to you. Focus on where their safeties are. That's the key to the defense. It's hard to see, and it's hard to tell what's going on outside as far as corners, leverages. Um, now, there are so many guys playing press bail. They'll come up, press the receiver at the snap. They'll turn and bail. So it, it doesn't it, – the pre-snap, if you're focusing more on that, you're missing what you – you're looking at something that doesn't matter. It's clutter, and you're missing the things that do matter, the safety. So um, it's only so much you can see is a short period of time, and that's what you should focus on. As a viewer, you can get to see corners pretty easily, and it can help you get a little bit of what coverages the defense is in. 
So as a viewer, I would suggest you pay a little bit more attention to the corners. Are the corners backed off? Where are they eyes? Where are the eyes? Are they looking in? They're looking right at the receiver. If there's one deep safety and the cornerbacks also backed off with their eyes to the quarterback, it's cover three. Okay. I mean, if they are backed off and their eyes are towards the quarterback and there's a deep safety, it's cover three. He won't know the coverage for sure until after the snap, but you can figure out most coverages based on a pre-snap alignment. You don't want to be in that look if it's not going to be cover three. Advanced blitz indicator. So if, you know, the advanced indicator is trying to see what side the nose tackle is shaded on because a lot of teams will bring pressure to the bubble or the B gap, but the next level uh, that's kind of next level stuff. So you look down the road, uh, you know, the idea is that there are going to be a lot of blitzes that are going to be run towards the B gap or the side that the one technique defensive tackle is lined up. Uh, obviously this isn't a hard, fast rule, but something to look at along with other clues that might help a quarterback figure out where the blitz is coming from. Uh, some defenses will move the shaded nose tackle before the snap. So quarterbacks don't get a bead where their blitzes are coming from. Um, you, you, you know, as you get in looking at this a little bit more, you're, you're going to start to look for, for more bluffs by the defense. For example, a young nickel corner early in the snap count at the line of scrimmage might try to step at you, show you that he's coming, but normally they're bringing the blitz from the other side. Um, so look for the bluff and assume he's not coming until he proves that he will. Normally, they're trying to get your eyes over there and bring pressure from the other side before you can recognize it. So be wary of the bluff. And so I say that to the quarterback, so I want you to be able to see that. Um, so the camera's often focused. They're too zoomed in on the quarterback. It leaves out half the story of the game. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't try. Um, you microphones and hearing what guys say on the field is being picked up more and more. Uh, often you'll hear the quarterback pre-snap communication. You may not understand it all because they're, it's kind of code words for something that means something different for anybody doing it. You can kind of figure it out. Uh, rip usually means the offense is sliding protection to the right. Liz means it's sliding to the left. Okay. It may vary from team to team, but usually you hear a word that starts with an R and an L. Figure it out. Shifting the protection to the right or left. It may not always refer to the protection. It can mean that a quarterback is changing the direction of the run play. So if you hear a quarterback or center barking out something like 52 is the mic, he's identifying who the middle linebacker is because it affects how the protection is set. So all you determine how the protection is set by identifying the mic. 52 is the mic. 50 is the mic. Whatever. Quarterback could also completely change the play, but they'll use cold words that are often impossible to figure out because it could change from week to week, quarter to quarter. Uh, everyone remembers Omaha, which told the rest of the offense the ball will be snapped on the next sound. Uh, other cadence starters could be Sunday, Monday. It could be blue, green. It could be you know, Disney, it just, whatever. That doesn't matter. It's what that term means. And it means something different to everyone. There are games that the offense is going to play with cadence starters or cadences. If the 
so the defense doesn't get a beat on them. Um, you know, now you could turn a, 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 a cold into a hard comp. It's hard to know, but everything, but you can get a feel for it as the game goes along. What to look for post-snap. After the snap, uh, they're completely at the mercy of the camera, TV camera. Broadcast will zoom in on the quarterback, uh, so you don't have any idea what's going on with the rod concepts. If you're lucky, you see a safety rotation and can confirm the coverage or catch a defense disguising. Defenses could present one look before the snap, but switch to a different coverage after the snap in an attempt to confuse the offense. You could easily catch a quick glimpse of what the corners are doing before they're out of the picture. If the eyes are locked onto the receivers in front of them, they're probably in man. To get the most information after the snap is to try to have a soft focus on the offensive line while mainly focusing on the ball. So the offensive line doesn't lie. If they're firing out aggressively down the field, the offense is going to run the ball. If they back away from the line of scrimmage, it's a pass. Lyman can deceive to a degree, but it's not a whole lot that they can do there. So, look, um, you, you, you got to know um, the content. In order to recognize cover four, you've got to know what it is. So if you want to get a better understanding of what the concept and the goals and the, the responsibilities in cover two or cover four, you know, it's better to kind of learn that and understand that you join us over at LandryFootball.com so that you can get a better understanding of the game of football, how to look for it. And then once you know what it is, then you can identify what it is and you get a better feel. Unfortunately, again, as I said, TV copy is very misleading because you miss 50% of what the play is all about. We've got a, uh, a world today where everybody's got an opinion. Everybody thinks it's a dumb play call. It's a mistake here. It's a, and they have no clue what they're talking about because what they think happened didn't happen. And, you know, and that's good or good or whether it's a good play or a bad play. And obviously the result is the only thing people are focused on, but the reality is that's not what's important. What's important is understanding the process, to create the result. If you can understand the process that creates the result, then you can better understand what's going to, what it's going to take to be successful, what is going to allow you to have a winning play or not. So those are some things that I thought we'd hit with you before Super Bowl week. We'll be spending um, a lot of time breaking down the teams, the players, the schemes. <clears throat> we'll get you ready for the Super Bowl. But now, hopefully, this gives you a better understanding of how to watch the game with a little more clarity, a little more understanding, and look smarter to your friends. A reminder to subscribe, like, and share the Landry Football Podcast Network. Spread the word to your friend, folks. Uh, we really appreciate it if you reach out to as many friends as you have that are football fans and let them know what we're doing here in the Landry Football Podcast Network. Also, at LandryFootball.com is where you can get the most detailed film room analysis and evaluations. Um, so take advantage of our scouting season offer that we have for you. Uh, always great to be with you. We'll talk to you again really soon, uh, breaking down the world of football. So long, everybody. Have a great one and enjoy the game.